Welcome back, everyone. Um, if you're new here, we host a new wellness guest and release a new episode every Sunday. So be sure to subscribe, follow us so you don't miss out on new episodes. Um, last week was episode three of our Man Down Men's Mental Health series. So we welcome back Tom Custura and he brought along Jason Bass. And so if you missed that one, also go back, check it out. Um, this week, we are welcoming Mary Bicknell. Did I say that right, Mary? did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and today, so we'll be talking all about financial wellness um, and self-care. So welcome, Mary. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's my favorite conversation. Thanks for being here. I am so excited that you wanted to talk about the topic of financial wellness. I know that Kelsey and I are both, um, we reference the SAMHSA's eight dimensions of wellness often. And I think financial wellness is one of those that gets neglected. It's not even thought of. It's it's not even something that's connected to our wellness, right? So super excited to have you on to talk about that today. Why uh, the topic of financial wellness? And then, uh, you know, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got into this, your background, what you do now, all those great yeah. things about yourself. So I'm a, I'm a clinical social worker and I'm also a business consultant for what I call the easy way to say it is you're the face of your business. So if you're the face of your business, you're a solopreneur or whether you have a huge company, right? I work with women to help them really expand their limitations all around what they're capable of doing. And of course it has to do with money. You know, I love the whole idea of, um, women being financially sovereign. I believe that financial independence is the supreme ability for us to take care of ourselves. I love that. I think, um, you know, just full self-disclosure, I am the dreamer. I'm also a social worker. So I'm the, I'm like the visionary and the dreamer. And my husband will be like, hey, how's that going to make us some money? And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that's kind of important too to think about. So I appreciate you bringing that up. You know, we oftentimes, I think, uh, especially as women are the caretakers and we don't necessarily think about, you know, what can I get out of this to serve me? Well, yeah, I think that, um, Right. It's, you know, we're conditioned as we grow up that we do take care of people and we biologically, we have estrogen for a reason. So we don't, you know, kill our children accidentally, right? It's that caretaking hormone. And we forget, I think the biggest thing is that we forget that because we're programmed not to talk about like sex, drugs and rock and roll and money, right? We, we forget that when we eliminate stress, whatever that stress is, right? That's, taking care of ourselves. And through that, we actually are more effective at taking care of our family, our community, our children, and breaking legacies, right? Our familial legacies of dysfunction or lack and all of that kind of thing. So I think that's the really critical factor. I So I was a clinical social worker and I've done like everything you guys, like like you can't tell me a job in the social work industry that I haven't done everything from, you know, working in the inner city in Baltimore with gunfire, somebody breaking into my car to Johns Hopkins. I've worked in many a psych unit, 
20, I was the director of 25 nursing homes all across Baltimore, like I, like every kind of thing that you could want. And when I moved here to Oregon 11 years ago, I, I had to make that decision. Do I want to start a private practice? And I was like, no, I didn't want to. And really the reason why is I just started, I got into the, the piece of the puzzle where I felt limited, right? Limited on what I was capable of doing, how I could actually see a client. And I start, I got into coaching and I was like, and I used to think like coaching was like therapy light, right? It's like, I had all the judgments against coaching and I could go off on that another time. But, um, I started doing relationship coaching cause I'm in a happy relationship now. And I hadn't been right. I'd had all those non-happy, um, dysfunctional, abusive relationships. So I wanted every woman to feel love, honored and adored. And I still do. But the conversations that I had over and over again were all around women's self-worth, what they were capable of, where they were limiting themselves and being stuck in crappy relationships because they had no financial way out or so they thought. It's like they always had a financial way out. They just didn't think so. So now all these seven and a half years later, you know, almost eight years later, hundreds of clients, a global company, um, and helping, you know, hundreds of women bust through that thought that they are taking care of the family in one way. And we all want to do that. I'm very traditional in my marriage and I have a 14 year old. So on many levels, I'm very traditional. But the other part of my, who I am as a person is like, I want my own money. I own two homes now, even though I grew up in an apartment, no one in my family went to college. They don't, no one in my family owns a business, has a seven figure life. None of that. I like I moved out before I graduated high school. So I have all the things that shouldn't set me up for financial success. That's why I'm so adamant about it. That's why I'm so committed because, you know, it is that I've walked the path. I can teach that. And, um, yeah. So when you're saying your husband is saying like, Hey honey, how are we going to make some money? I mean, that's a valid question also. And I can't help but want to ask almost like what, have you considered the fact that all those dreams, there's a profit in there, right? There's money in there. Like you can do the things that you really love to do and it can um, bring you financial abundance. So, but I, I won't go, this isn't, you know, I won't ask you, but you're welcome to share. <laughs> it just goes, it, it does, it's, I know that there's money behind it. I just can't, um, my brain doesn't automatically go to that. It goes to serving and program and, and building the business. I'm gonna pause right. I totally feel you on that. I mean, I have like, you know, my, my, the base of my clients, they're in um, the clinical world. Right. And so we are indoctrinated to serve and help people. And the, one of the number one questions that I get is like, how can I, how can I switch this thinking in my head that serving people doesn't mean I'm going to be taking advantage of them and arm twisting. So here's that. You ready for that? When clients say to me, I just want to help people who can't afford it. A couple things come up here. It is. Number one is why is it that we don't want to help people who have money? Like, where's that judgment against people? Like I, you know, I've had all the atrocities that women have, right? Like all the, all the physical, mental, sexual stuff, right? I still have people in my life helping me and I have all the money that I need right now. Right. And of course I, I'm, I can always create more. So it's like, the question becomes, I'm a believer in the more money you make, the more opportunities there are to actually help more people. And that's counter to what we're taught 
in grad school, right? We're taught like, here's the box, go help people. And then what happens is if you get to hundred grand in our clinical industry, then that we're all like, yay, but there's like millions of dollars available laying all over the table. Like one of my clients, Bonnie, she came in and we tripled her, tripled, tripled her business at the end of her VIP day. The very next day she was able to, cause she changed, I help her see differently. So when she makes more money or you make more money, then you have the opportunity to hire somebody to help somebody who doesn't make as much money. You, you can write a check to all the beautiful charities that you want. You can actually, you have the, um, the resources truly to give back in a different way. And of course we're not all taught how to build businesses. Thank you. know, that's what I'm here for. Right. And so, um, it's, it's easy for most women to help people because that does come naturally for most of us. It's just something that you have to learn though, how to make, how to monetize. Those are two different things, right? And, and both are valuable and both are needed if you want, you know, financial abundance. And that is like, think about the stress that most women have when it comes to their finances. So if they learned the skill of, managing their money, looking at their money, not avoiding it. I don't like numbers. Like I can't even take it anywhere if a woman says that. I'm not good at math. Okay, here it is. Ready? One plus one is two. There you go. You're good at numbers. That's math. That's money. That's all you need to know. It's not that hard. Please You're calling me out. You're calling me out. <laughs> Am I preaching? Numbers just give me anxiety. They stress me out. I don't even know how I made it through stats, even though it wasn't math. Like yeah. Yeah. I outsourced that and I use calculators and I use formulas. Well, I mean, I have my phone right here. I yeah. have, but I also have all my tracking, right? Right in front of me, what my goals are, my financial goals. Like you have to have a number. You have to know what you want, right? So for me, one of the things that I want everyone to do, whether you're in business or not, is totally fine. But think about for think about what is the base number you need to like live your life. Not like have the masseuse come to the house every day or the housekeeper or whatever, but like live your life, like know that number and make sure you as a woman can hit that number by yourself because that's where you get freedom. I want every woman to have time, freedom, emotional freedom and financial freedom. And in order to do that, you have to know what it costs to live a life that pays your bills right now. Then you get to start adding. Once you know that and you've accomplished that, that's free. Then you're free, right? When you can open your mouth and learn how to make money and sell something or offer a service, and and it, then you're free. You never have to rely on anybody. That's 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 what we're talking about today with self care and financial wellness. It's all. It's when you know that you are 100% responsible for your financial destiny. Although it feels anxiety provoking, like you were saying on one level, when you, when you master that, you will be so liberated and then you can enjoy you. Then there's no, then there's none of that weirdness with your, in your relationships, right? Who's the spender? Who's the not? He, he puts the money away. He makes the money. So he gets to call the decisions or whomever is the bigger money in the house is typically the one that makes the decisions. Ah, okay. All these things we could talk about. <laughs> Mary, I heard you say, I heard the term in there, and I wanted to kind of break that down a little bit, the financial abundance. So can you explain to our community how financial abundance is the highest demonstration of health, like self-care, how those two, you know, yes. together? And so I think the first thing we all have to do is, is define what abundance means to us. 
because it's okay that it's not, you know, I, I don't have a $3,000 purse. Can I buy a $3,000 purse? Yes, but that's just not my, like, that's not a thing for me. So if y'all want $3,000, like, I don't care. It doesn't, it's not about that. So financial abundance, we all have to define it. So for me, part of it is, and for a lot of my clients, and maybe for you all, is abundance, that having financial abundance means I have the opportunity to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, period. You can assign the number on that. You can assign that. So for some women that come in and I work with, it's, they need in their, like they need, if they had like $8,000 cash, that would pay all their bills. Great. Other women, they need 25,000, right? Other, I have a client who's a $13 million business, but guess what guys? She has the same limiting beliefs, right? We're all normal. These are, this is the thing. Like we have to constantly redefine abundance as we personally grow, then our money situation can change. But first it's really like, what does abundance mean? And I'm a believer in, we live in an amazing, like the abundance is everywhere. Like if you look at nature, it's everywhere. Unfortunately, right, we're beaten up with the news. And of course, as a clinician and as a social worker, I understand everyone doesn't have abundance. Of course, I understand that. And those of us who have the opportunity to create more abundance, that's our moment to do that. Or if we're given the talents to be able to do that, then I believe the right that that's the moment that we get to give back see i believe that we have this overflow there's there's constant you know money is energy and energy is constantly moving and when we bring that in and we have that abundance we give it back right and it looks like those checks we're writing or charity or when i hire people or like you said amanda when you outsource people right you need money to even outsource like the people that work for with me they're not like pay me less money, Mary. I'm like, I'm happy to pay you great money, right? I'm happy to honor their skills. So I think we all need to decide what does financial abundance looks like? And again, it could be that $3,000 purse or redoing your kitchen and buying the good stove, or it could be that first class trip to Paris or sending your kid to like the really super fun camp this year. So that's part of making that decision. And when it comes to time, like abundance for me pays for more free time. And so I look at money as a source of memories. It helps me create memories. And that's like time is my love language. So, so I work so that I can create that free time. That makes me feel that and like organic, freshly squeezed orange juice, like 10 bucks for that thing. I buy like every now and again, then I feel really abundant. That's so it can be the simple things. I love that you bring, I love that perspective because I feel like in our society, we are kind of programmed to only view that all of our time, like if you have free time, it's being wasted. But like if you had that, if you're creating that abundance, you know, if you're front loading that, that perspective of, of having abundance and creating that for yourself, then it's not, you know, I feel like that can help with that feeling of if I do have downtime, I'm wasting it because- I feel like the abundance has to come first for it to feel like, okay, I have free time and I can use that for the things that I want and want to create for myself. I think that's so on the, on the point, right? I think this also goes back to, right, when we are in what I call crazy busy, everybody take your right hand and, and touch your left shoulder and rip off your crazy busy badge, right? Because so often... <laughs> 
we exactly what you said is like if we're not grinding out every minute and being super busy we i believe that we have conflated busyness with worthiness in our society and if we have quote free time we're not wait is like is it wasting it we have lost the sweet art of daydreaming of listening to our own stinking thoughts. And of course, you you know, we're here, uh, we'll be on YouTube and your podcast. And of course, I want everybody to continue to learn. And I want you to like, take a downtime and like, listen to your own thoughts. And I think that what happens is we get into that crazy busy. And we, we see that as I'm busy. So I'm valuable as a human being and as a woman. And if I'm just sitting around on the sofa watching Netflix, or I'm just taking a walk, I better have a podcast in my, I better be like doing instead of being, right? I want you to be the woman that you're proud of right now and be the woman who will allow abundance and abundance of free time without an agenda attached to it. Can anybody relate to me? (laughs) Well, yeah. And I talk about that all the time, toxic American culture of you need to be constantly go, 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 go. And, you know, the inability to emotionally regulate and how much that makes us more anxious and depressed and all the things because we're not stopping to be mindful and listen to our bodies. Um, And it's almost like if you're not busy, you're lazy. Wait a minute. You don't get to determine what is valuable to my time. Um, and the other thing is I just a little side note on that. I remember when we went to Jamaica, that was like where it hit me, where to, how toxic American culture was with that is because we were like at a restaurant and we were waiting to be sat and we're waiting for a decent amount of time. And I keep seeing like all these empty tables and they're cleared and they're ready to go. And we're like, and the, and the, the workers are just kind of like moseying no rush right and like the whole motto down there is like no problem no worries right and so it really and then when I I remember when I came back to the United States as soon as I hit the airport like as soon as I walked in it was like people are like give me my Starbucks order this is wrong this is supposed to be a mocha get out of my way and it's like oh I remember that's when it hit me so yeah it's it's something that we have to learn to be okay with the the judgment from others, right? Yes. Well, I think that's what I talk about as far as the number one fear that we have as human beings is the fear of judgment from other people. I really also believe it's from ourselves, but they're intertwined frequently. And so the fear of judgment of other people, that is the very thing that holds us back from like being our real self, our true self, our God-given divine, like only you ever in all of eternity person. Like like if, if if we could ever just take a moment just to recognize like the three of us, there's never going to be anyone like us again, ever. And there never has been. And in that, that is a moment to recognize like no one else can do the things that we do or say the things that we say. And there's no, when we can recognize it, one of the, one of the things I talk about is like when you own who you, when you really own who you are, you, there's zero, zero judgment. There's zero comparison. Because when you can truly honor who you really are and truly are, and of course we're always evolving. I want to live on the edge of my own evolution, right? It's in that moment that that that's when like like the real stuff happens. That's when like when people talk about joy and flow and ease, like when you can allow yourself to be in that, 
that's a different story, right? Now, granted, you might still have to learn things like how to do that. You might have be lacking in skills. That's true. But that doesn't mean that you can't be in that, um, that, that moment of flow or ease or all of those kind of things. So yes, I wanted to go to Jamaica. I, I live now on the East, the West coast. So this is, I'm from the East coast. So there was a time I was like, I want to fly to Jamaica. So when I moved to the West coast, um, I was like, Oh my God, Hawaii is like so close. I'm going to just fly down to Hawaii on the three day weekends. Oh my God. It's six hours. I didn't know. Like that's how geography is like, Okay, I know numbers, math. I can build a business and make millions of dollars and teach it. But, you know, like how far away? Clearly, I'm not flying to Hawaii every three-day weekend. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I had that similar experience, Amanda, like not to keep it going. But when my, we went to Aruba, it was fascinating. The differences that you see and the things that, you know, and just the way that they ran this sounds strange but the way they ran their business like the things that they attached value to compared to if you would go into a you know a, a business or, or hospitality business you know where we live it was a lot it was very refreshing and yeah and then I came back and I'm like oh geez like <laughs> here I am yeah it takes it takes a couple of days sometimes right and, uh, to get yeah. in that relaxed mode or turn off our phone, God forbid, you leave the house nowadays and you, you leave your phone at home and you like turn around because you're freaking out. What if something happened? But yeah, I mean, it's like when I lived on the East Coast, we would go to North Carolina. It would be like, we're on mountain time, which is like chill, right? You go to Hawaii. It's like same kind of thing. It's like chill. And you it takes a minute to be like, why isn't every, and then you, uh -huh. yeah. And then you get into that and you're like, oh, this is, this is what it feels like not to be just like, and that hurried, hurried, crazy rush. And then you get back and it, it's like, how do you, how do you hold on to that? Right. And that's that to me, that's abundance. When you have that moment of realization that you don't have to grind every single thing out that feels abundant to me when I'm not, when I am not grinding and hustling. Like, I don't even like that language. Mm -mm. No. And I think I used to use that so much myself. And then I think for many people, I'm, at least I can only speak for myself, but I've been hearing from others that this pandemic was really a forced way of like having to check yourself and saying like, okay, well, what, what stuff do I actually want to go back to? Even yeah. if I can't, you know, I know new normal, all of that stuff, but like, yeah, it was a very real thing for me to have to sit down and say like, okay, well, a lot of these things that I was filling that free time with looks a lot different now and like that's okay yes I think there's for for um for myself and <clears throat> certainly everyone in my sphere right there are many lessons many lessons mm -hmm. it's still shocking right it's well there's a lot of shocking things that happened in 2020 but we won't that's not our conversation for today <laughs> politics and all the things right yeah absolutely so Mary, is it true that wealth can aid in wellness versus being a detractor or a burden to, to us in our society? Well, it can aid in wellness. And, and to the point about the burden, right? I think this is some, this is one of the reasons why we give ourselves the excuse that we're not good at abundance or financial wealth or because we don't, number one, most of us aren't taught anything around money. 
So it does seem like, oh my God, those people with a lot of money and all that and the judgment that we have again for, toward people who have wealth. But it's the burden, right? We look at that burden, like uh, what if I make a lot of money and I can't keep it? What, you know, what does that mean, stock investing? What's like the tax burden that we have as we increase our rate uh, or increase our income level? And there's, there's this moment where the, it collides with our sense of responsibility. Because I believe that so many times we as women still defer to someone else to take care of us, even though I like, even though we're strong and we're powerful and all the things, of course, we're, we're trained that way. We're conditioned that way that someone else, and then we buy into that fairy tale, like have someone else take care. And it's, it's true. I mean, I still default in that. Sometimes I'm just like, I want my husband. I'm just like, I don't know where I want to go out to you. Just like make a decision. I've been making decisions all day long. Sometimes I just want to. And there, so there is that, right? Where you're in true partnership, where you can lean on your partner, as opposed to not being responsible for your financial well-being and giving that to someone else because you have not been willing to learn the skill and the how-to because it feels like a burden. It feels like too much responsibility. I talk about that all the time and as we do more and more podcasts and we talk to more and more people it's like what did what did society teach us what did what were we prepared for right when you think about all the things that we weren't taught how to do that are so crucial to living our best lives right and so it's just one of those points of frustration for me is is like what what was all that time energy and effort spent all those years if we weren't able to then financially be well and take care of ourselves and understand how to do those things if we didn't have the skills to understand the importance of regulating our emotions for both mentally and physical wellness right like all of the things um what are you kind of alluded to it before but what are some of those limiting beliefs we talk about limiting beliefs i know kelsey and i both do in our therapy practice with clients what are some of the limiting beliefs around financial wellness, money, financial self-care that you see? Yeah. So it looks like um, one is, I don't know numbers. I don't really know numbers. Are, oh, I, lo I look at that and I just kind of avoid it. Like the question becomes like, do you avoid even looking at your numbers? Do you look, do you avoid, like, here's questions. And then we'll talk about some of the limiting beliefs, right? It's like, do you know how much money is in your purse right now or your wallet? Do you know how much money is in your bank? Do you know how much literally cash you need to run your house, right? And to pay for all your bills, like all, like to the dollar, like, do you know, do you look at this monthly? Do you know about your business? What are your business expenses? Where can you cut back and where can you invest? Do you truly understand ROI? return on investment with your life and your business purchases, right? Those are two separate things, right? So do you really know that? Do you, are you in denial about how much money you really spend? Are you, is that a distraction for you? Like an addiction for you, right? Like, like sex and food and all and Netflix or whatever. Like, are you using spending money as a distraction? Um, and so some of the limiting beliefs are, you know, oh, you know, I don't, I don't make the money. Men make the money. Money grows on trees. I could never charge that. I just want to help poor people. Um, I could never buy organic. Who's spending money on a brand new stove? Like it's those kind of things. So if you ever have those things that come up and I have a long list of them, so I, I'll share all of those where you all can get like 
negative limiting beliefs, right? And then how you can transform them into, you know, powerful money statements that look like money's everywhere. Oh my God. Money is flowing to me so easily. Every day I look at my bank account and there's money in there. There's new money in there. I make the best choices with money. I really, I value my money and it values me. Money is always available to me. I rely on money and money appreciates me. Here's a question that I want to ask you. And and this is to help shock you into awareness about, are you defaulting into thinking it's a burden? If money was a puppy, a little baby puppy, a little puppy, I know baby puppy is redundant, but it just sounds good, right? So if money was a puppy, would it be like one of those fat little puppies and it rolls over and it's big fat little tummy? Or would it be like the poster child, the poster puppy for the humane society? Money wants attention. I promise you, like this is my guarantee to my clients and to all of you listening, no matter what, as a woman, when you pay attention to your money, and you get into relationship with your money and you're appreciative of the money that you have and grateful for the opportunities to have money. I mean, we, we, we look where we live. If you're watching this, hearing this, you have more opportunities than anyone else in the history of womankind and across the globe. So do you have that kind of relationship with your money? And if not, I want to encourage you, name your money and get into a relationship with it. I love that. The, the question of it, the puppy, like, because in your mind, as soon as you ask it, I can picture like this little, you know, fluffy puppy. And, and then when you were going through those limiting beliefs, I've done a lot of my own kind of financial self-care lately. And I live in an area that's just very pop, like poverty stricken, um, very rural and things. And I, you know, I grew up here. So and I think that ties me into to our next bullet, but just in general, that feeling of, okay, I, I have what I have. I'm grateful for that. I I'm capable of having more, but that, that shift is so hard for my brain. Like I've been working on it so hard, but it, it's definitely a very difficult shift because you were going through those auto, the automatic ones. And I was like, yeah, yep. Check, check. (laughs) Right. And and I have a laundry list of them. I mean, I literally do. And and it's so true. What you're saying is how we're raised. So one of the things that I love to do with, with people is really have them analyze, like go through your main, um, like your mother, father, sister, brother, church, community, etc., and write down what are some of the things you saw your, you know, what was the behavior you were a witness to? What was role modeled behaviorally to you as a cognitive behaviorist, right? I love this. All right. So what was role model to you visually that you saw? What were the words you heard? What overall is the message? So for me, I grew up, my parents, my mother and stepfather, they worked at a financial company that loaned money to them deadbeat people, right? Okay. That's how I was raised, right? Those deadbeats. They're, you know, they, they aren't paying their bills. Da, 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 da. It's, it's ironic, frankly, that my parents were in finance and never one time sat me down with a checkbook on how to balance it. So to your point, Amanda, we're not taught this even when it's in the house, but I witnessed, I witnessed every, at the end of every month, my mother would go back into the back bedroom with her checkbook. And it was like an event, a freaking event. 
And she would sit down and she would just like, you know, balance that checkbook down to the penny. And, and it taught me like, oh my God, like money is hard to deal with. It's like, it takes so much energy. And if I don't balance things to the penny, like I am worthless. And so that was what I witnessed. And then I heard them talk about people with money or deadbeat people. But then what they showed me is also, you know, I grew up neglected, right? So I didn't get the things. They would buy things for themselves and not for me. So then I just reinforced that like, we didn't want you, you're not worthy. We're not spending things that are nice for you. I would get, you know, I would get the broken stuff, but that's another story. But my point ultimately is, we have to we have to become aware of those stories and ask ourselves is this true for me is this true for me is this a legacy i want for my daughter river who's 14 and look it takes a lot of work like i'm not i'm not going to pretend that overcoming these deeply rooted conditions isn't a, your life's work but I can't overemphasize that this is daily work. This is why literally I'm showing you and you can't hear it on everybody who's listening on the podcast, but I have post-it notes like on my computer that talk about tracking. How do I track money? How do I, how do I call in new clients? Like what are the methods for this? Like this is daily work, just like feeding yourself good food or exercising and all the other areas of wellness is daily work. Money is the same. Absolutely. I like feel all of that. And thank you for sharing, you know, a little bit of yourself and your experience growing up. Yeah. Our guests do that if they're comfortable. Uh, so where does guilt come in when it comes to you, wealth or prosperity, abundance? How does that come in, come into play um, and your experience with that? Yes. Guilt. You know, when we think about guilt, the just the word of guilt, right? Guilt means I've done something to harm another human being. I feel guilty. I've become aware that I've done something to you, Sally Jane, and it's harmed you. And I feel guilty now about it. I just believe, though, that that sometimes we we um, we conflate that a little bit with guilt and shame, right? So those are like cousins. They just are woven so intricately together, right? So sometimes it's really like when we say, um, I feel guilty that I want to make money. So we, we have this perception that by us making more money, we're harming the people around us. For example, our family. What would happen if we made more money than fill in the blank. Uh, for me, I literally, I literally remember this to this day. I sat down in the kitchen because you know, it's always a kitchen table conversation. At least it was in my house. Right. So finally my parents built a house and then we lived there. And then I moved out, like I said, before I graduated high school, because it was really abusive and toxic and horrible um, and worked at Kentucky fried chicken. So here I worked at Kentucky fried chicken, but now all these years later, I have all these degrees and license. So I'm telling you it's possible for you, but here's the thing. I still remember so clearly sitting down at the kitchen table. And I knew, just like I know all of you know, you've got this giant within. It's just been beaten out of you, tamped down. I'm here to support ripping it open and supporting you for having it all. But I remember so clearly sitting at the table and my mother saying to me, do you want to know how much money Jim has made? And I thought, no, because uh, well, first of all, because I, I have no respect for him because he was my abuser, right? So no. But the point was, 
I remember she was going to tell me that. And then I said, I want to make more money than you. I need you all to tell me it's okay for me to make more money because I didn't want to make more money than my abuser. Right. It seemed weird. It seemed like, like I, it was scary for me. What would that mean about me? That would reaffirm what I always knew that I'm better than you or what have you, you know what I mean? And, and then how would that harm my mother? Because I had to be the caretaker for my mother, blah, 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 all the things. So we have this guilt of wanting more because we have been pointed, finger pointing. And so for all of you listening on the podcast, I'm pointing right at you, right? Like you should be happy with what you have. And for most of us, if we've not been raised by people or been in an environment or a community today as adult women that support us rising up and high-fiving and all of that, we are, we are, um, we are shamed into not, uh, wanting more. We are belittled. We are who do you think you are to death? And then we feel guilty because we recognize that when we gr- choose to grow, when we choose to evolve and we choose greater abundance than that which we came from, that in a sense we are harming our sister, our mother, etc. because they're somehow not going to have what we have now. And so because as humans, we don't want to be kicked out of the tribe. Otherwise, we will be dead if we're outside the community. We stay small. And I am here so, so, so strongly supporting you all for having your abundance and that you can truly have everything that you want and have it without guilt. And so here's where the guilt comes, right? How can we heal some of that? How can we work around that? How can we work through that? And it's it's by doing that inner work. What are the thoughts that I've been thinking? If if I feel guilty, where is that stemming from? Well, I feel guilty because if I make more money than my sister Sally, she's not going to be able to take her three kids to Disney and I get to take them to di- my kids to Disney. I'm going to feel so bad for her. Well, okay. So what can you do differently? Number one is I'm a believer that we, uh, my job is my clients first. So how can that, how can that client who wants to take her three kids to Disney and her, not her sisters, right? How can she do that healing? How can she recognize that it's, it's given to her to be able to change her financial legacy with her children? And how could her showing up in the greatest, highest form of who she is be actually the best thing for her family, her sister? See, when we're playing small, we are doing a disservice, not only to our family, but of course, to all women and our children. And, you know, sometimes we have that guilt because, you know, our moms, sometimes we're out. I'm a believer that my daughter will be better and needs to be better. And that's how I'm raising her. Every generation, right? We want it to, we want them to be lifted up, but that's not true for every family. A lot of moms have made you feel guilty, have been, you know, jealous and have tamped you down because you're living out the opportunities that they didn't have, which of course they wouldn't because it's a new generation. We should, as our children should have better opportunities and our job is to foster that. But if we don't, if we're not conscious women as that, conscious parents, oh my God, we're going to be pulling them back to the status quo. And so they, so that was kind of the long answer because I love this topic. <laughs> You're right. That's okay. No, seriously, I really appreciate. There's so many. I mean, I could talk to you about this for hours because there's so many directions you could go with this. And yeah. 
you know, for me personally, it's like as a social worker in the profession, and I, I would think that a lot of helping professions feel this way is, um, you know, I, I can't, like you, you kind of alluded to before, like, oh, well, I want to help. I went into this field to help. And if I'm, if I'm charging that much, then I'm missing out on serving a lot of folks. And so for me, that's a limiting belief, like raising my sliding scale fee, like, you know, 20 bucks was like, I'm going to lose all my clients or whatever it is. And I think that the thing that I'm hearing you say that like really was very visual in my mind as you were speaking, I think a lot of times people associate wealth with like a certain look, right? Like, uh, you know, you can be wealthy and not flaunt it and not have the $3,000 bag and not be out there with your big expensive Tesla and, you know, whatever. You don't have to boast about your wealth and be and change who you are as a person at your core and what you value and your personality. And yet you can still have wealth that serves you and serves others. And then the last bullet that kind of got to me was I teach my clients often because they have a hard time changing, setting boundaries in general with family. Right. Well, if I say that, then they're going to look at me this way. Well, actually, you're setting a really great example. So even though you might not change them, they might start to look at you and say, huh, they've been kind of happy for a while. And I think it's the same thing with the money, right? If, if you start to work on yourself, even though you're like, oh, my sister and her three kids can't go to Disney right now and I can take my kids to Disney, maybe she'll start paying attention more and asking you questions. And now that's how we impact the generations. Yes. Well, it's a couple things. I love exactly what you said. It's like, it, here's a couple things. Number one, let's address like the those of us who are in the helping industries. Like, let me tell you the truth. I'm going to be candid. If you would have told me in grad school that one day I'm going to resent my clients and my patients because I'm so effing fried out of my mind, pouring the very best of my energy into them with little pay, I would not have become a social worker because, well, actually I probably would have become a social worker and candid because I love people, right? And I really wanted to help them. I just didn't know. I have a new client, brand new client. She's a um, LCSW also. She didn't even know that you could become a coach and like I could teach her like how with her private practice and how to monetize it differently and all these kind of things. And and then she can like, here you go. Then she hired somebody um, the, who's going to help the the sliding scale. So that's number one. Like, so we didn't know. Sometimes we don't know. I have clients that literally, one of the clients that I had $500,000 in student loans. She has a um, DSW. Five, she's never going to, that's the worst damn ROI, you guys. The worst ROI freaking ever to go to college. You're never going to make that back if you're, if she. I think she was making $113,000, which a lot of people are like six figures. A hundred grand ain't what it used to be. Let's get into truth. A hundred grand ain't what it used to be. So that's one piece of the puzzle. Here's the other piece of the puzzle is like when we talk about boundaries, what you were saying about, yes, we can, it's hard to have boundaries when we, when we are so like intrinsically enmeshed with people or, or just because we love them and we don't want to harm them by our own growth. And we don't have to, right? We don't have to um, necessarily speak our growth to people who won't understand it. We could we could demonstrate through our behaviors. And I think this is the piece of the puzzle where many people, many business owners, many women have a big challenge because they are now talking to their circle of people 
who are never going to excel. Like if you're here and you're listening and you're a business owner or you're a clinician or you have a practice or whatever, probably no one in your sphere is doing that. Just you doing that like Bravo. Okay. Now, if you really want to expand, and this is what I do with my clients, this is my job is to help break that in that like in institutionalized limitation on we're helpers. So we should only make this much money. My job is to bust that through and think of all the revenue streams so that they have abundance, right? Because that is self-care and that's what I'm committed to their financial freedom. So when we, when you recognize, so often we're like, come on, let's put it out of the money piece. Let's look at other self-care. Like you quit smoking and you're like, come on, Sally, sister, Sally, quit smoking. It's so much better, so much better. And we try and tell these people they're not listening. They don't hear because they haven't had that defining moment, defining moment. And I'm hoping that several of you, many of you have a defining moment right now listening that you're like, holy crap, I want to have as much money as I can. Um, and as I want and all the abundance that I want and whether it's conspicuous consumption of a $3,000 bag or not, right? No judgment. I'm not going to, um, and so, so that's part of it. Like we have to be conscious of who are we sharing our dreams and goals and visions with. I want to encourage you to share it with people who are, who have walked the walk before you not with people in your sphere, they're never going to, right? They're never going to be like, yeah, you can do it. Probably not. It's probably not going to happen. I want to say it's going to happen, but after being in this industry online for eight years, and of course being a clinician for over two decades, I can, human behavior tells me that the probability of your sister who's in an unhappy marriage and can't take her three kids to Disney, it's probably likely that she's not going to be your biggest cheerleader. And your energy, sorry, Kelsey, okay. just before, I know we're going to go on to another point here, but your, you focusing your energy there is pulling you back from ever reaching your goals. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, like, I've already, I've had that realization. I think that's a big thing for myself personally, that I have been making a lot of shifts on how I'm, how I'm sharing the things that I, I'm attaching value and wealth, blah, blah, blah. Like, but also, but who I'm, who I'm sharing that information with actively, not just wealth, but just my own beliefs, my own. So like yeah. if I had a moment when you said that I was like, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. I want you to have more moments and everybody listen to this again and again. One real quick thing before we move on to, because of course there's so much good juiciness here and we could talk for hours because, and I could too, because I love this. Um, here's really what I want you all to take away. Um, one of the many things, right? But let me ask you, what you said, Amanda, was like, the point was, and you didn't quite phrase it like this, but I want to like articulate this in more depth. When we think about people with wealth, do you do we have a judgment toward them? And is it because we don't have good representation within our sphere of that? We certainly don't have it necessarily in our society and online because we glorify it and everyone looks like a big ass out there. When in reality, most people, when you when we recognize growth and with its financial growth or whatever, you know, you become a vegan, whatever, you know, whatever the thing is that you've done is it only magnifies who you already were. So if you're a generous, kind, loving person, which I consider myself that, right? 
I mean, I give away obviously tons of free content and, you know, I, I do serve other people because of my very successful company. Right. And so we have to look at what, could it be true that if you become more wealthy, that you are only going to expand your loving, generous spirit. That is a critical factor. And, and here's the truth too. Most millionaires, by the way, it's like every seven minutes, a woman becomes a millionaire. So if you think you can't, that's your, that boom, right? There's a limiting belief because it's like this, it's, it's possible. Um, but the truth, the, and the truth of the matter is there's a book I read years ago. Cause I, of course I'll read lots of books on wealth and thinking and uh, those kind of things, but it's called, I think it's called the millionaire next door. And so if you look at, you probably are surrounded also with people who have money. You just don't know it because a lot the, that millionaire next door, which is the majority of millionaires, by the way, are not full of conspicuous consumption, right? They've got the bank accounts. Maybe they're driving, you know, like the, the car that's five years old um, or they're what have you, right? Maybe they're still living in the same home and they're just kind of fixing it up because for them, wealth means money in the bank and security, right? So when we, we have to also look at a self, like wellness, a, a financial wellness is security. Again, this is back to why is it important? Security is gives us supreme self-care when i'm not worried about paying my bills feeding my family like you know our first level of needs i can relax a little bit more i don't have to be so so think about all the people who do not have that and and the strife that's on their bodies so that was just a note really about how are we looking at people with wealth and the majority of the world who are the majority of the people who have wealth actually are not necessarily walking around with their, you know, red shoes and all that, which of course you can like buy whatever. I have nice things, but still. It's not keeping up with the Kardashians. Right. Well, no one can right. do that. I mean, and this is the, this is a fallacy that the fallacy is this. It's like, that's so that's like the, the, like, not even the 1%. So one of the things I like to teach clients is what I call the 5% club. So I like to help women who make a hundred grand or more, just, you know, get to three to 500,000. That's the 5%. So if you earn between three and $500,000 a year, that's the 5%, not the 1%, which is over a million. Why to 500,000? For the most of us, we can be a solopreneur or like have one or two people help us in our business and get to three to 500 grand without all the overhead. As soon as you get over 500 plus or into like millions, then you're hiring, then it's full time. Then it's like workman's comp and all that stuff. I don't want anything to do with that. So, you know, like hovering around a half a million dollars and working three to four days a week, most weeks, not all. Cause I launch and do these things. Like you're, let me tell you, most people, this is another like thing to be a conscious of. Most people can live an epic in unbelievable life making 20 grand a month. So some of you are like 20 grand. Oh my God. If I made 10, 10 great. That's 120 grand a year. But if you, that there's the, there's something that's like, I, and I don't want to use the word magic, but that's like the only word that comes to me right now. There's something that's like so liberating when you're at like bringing in $20,000, first of all, your taxes. So you're going to clear like 10 to what is that? Like 14,000. So you should clear, you'll clear around 14,000. That's money in the bank. That's paying off your mortgage. 
That's having a trip that you can have fun on a couple. That's allow, you know, hiring somebody to do some of the stuff in your business or your home or your yard so that you can take off on Fridays, you guys. That's another conversation we should have about business expenses and how we we need to you need a team to build a business. Okay, that I could that's another whole conversation <laughs> and which is super fun too. Thank uh no, I would love for you to come and I'm sure not to speak for Amanda, but I know we both would feel the same way. I would love for you to come back and talk about, you know, like what that creating that kind of system or that kind of team and how that would impact your your wellness in that area of life for sure. Yes. I'm so happy to do that because I'm a, I'm a social worker. I'm all about systems. I say this systems are sexy. Why? Because when you're fried and you're like, Oh my God, working all the time, you know, that's, that's not great self care. That's not sexy. Right. So it's kind of tongue in cheek, like systems allow for us (sighs) to just have things running Yes. And most of us don't know how. I didn't know how either, you guys. It's not like, you know, I mean, I've I've hired I've spent more money in learning how to run a business than I ever did on my my degrees. And that was the best investment. But yes, I'm happy to come back and talk all around like structures in your business, systems in your business, the return ROI. Um an ROI for you investing and also the R- what ROI and how I teach that um, so that people can articulate ROI to potential clients on an enrollment call or like all the things. I'm happy to next time talk all business. It's fun. Definitely. Okay, Mary. So as we wrap up, we ask every guest of ours if they have any last minute thoughts, mantras, things that they live by that they would love to share um, just to leave our community with as we wrap up also and where we can find you or our community can find you and we can um, put that in our show notes as well. Yeah. So first where you can find me is marybicknell.com slash Facebook group. So you're welcome to join my Facebook group. There's dozens of videos in there all on money and mindset and business. Um, if you, maybe you're not here about business. So another resource for you is marybicknell.com slash hidden thoughts with an S at the end, hidden thoughts. And it's a guide to your hidden thoughts about money and success. Your guide to hidden thoughts around it. So it's marybicknell.com slash hidden thoughts. So leaving you with that, I want you all to, here's your bold action step, right? So I want you all to think about leading a life of that's uncommon. That's really my overarching brand, lead a life uncommon. And so you get to define what does an uncommon life look like for you? And so many times women haven't, they don't dream anymore because somebody's laughed at them or it's been beaten down or now they've got the three kids or now they're like, oh, it's too responsible and all that kind of thing. So what I want you to do is think about what you don't want anymore. Start with that because that's pretty easy right? That's the easy. And then how can you turn that around? Because there's a solution in the problem that you have. There's a solution in the stuff you don't want anymore, if you're willing to look at it. And when you decide to have a solution to those problems, that's when you lead a life uncommon. And that's when you have abundance. That's when you have wellness. You know, the common person, and I know that sounds derogatory and, but you know, average is average. You know, we all like that's reality. It's like the average person goes to their grave, not living out the, the God given divine given gifts that are within them. They're they're They've missed out on the opportunities. 
So when you lead a life uncommon, it's you deciding that you're going to be brave enough to take opportunities in front of you, even if they feel super scary, which they should. Your brain is trying to hold you back, so it should feel a little nerve-wracking. So do that. What do you not want? What's the solution for that? If you don't know, feel free to reach out to me and then write down, start writing down thoughts like, what did I even think about money? And in that hidden thoughts guide, I give you a ton of negative thoughts and then how to turn them into more affirming money thoughts. And name your puppy, name your money puppy, last thing. <laughs> oh, I love when I get chills. And it's not selfish to live out that uncommon life. It's not well, selfish to not subscribe to the nine to five, 40, 60 hour work, work week. That's self-serving and that's, that's self-care and that's wellness. Exactly, exactly. You taking the best care of you is your number one job on earth. And that's not selfish. That is you taking care of the most important person, you, so that you can have everything giving back. That, that's true wellness, yes, thank you. Okay, we are for sure gonna have Mary back sometime in the fall, because that's where we're scheduling out sale. We are for sure having Mary back. Thank you so much for being here um, and being such a, a light of information um, to share with our guests and giving I am all about, you know, you go to these trainings and continuing educations and it's like, I sat there for three hours and I left with nothing tangible. So thank you for giving tangible tools and resources. We will definitely link those in the show notes. You're welcome. It, Mary. You're welcome. To everyone else in our audience, uh, just a quick note, make sure you subscribe, follow um, on the YouTube channel. If you want to leave any comments, we will make sure that Mary gets them and can respond or, you know, get in connection with her if you want to. And as always, make sure you stay tuned for next week. We are going to have a good friend, Christine Venrick. She's going to be talking about cultivating a community for resiliency surrounding trauma. So thank you all for being here, and we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye, Bye now. Bye.